We're embarking on your last season of uh, It's Always Cool in Mesa, but probably more importantly, your last full mm. year as the mayor of Mesa. What kind of feelings are you having? I'm looking forward for the city, you know, to have new leadership. I think that good will come from that. And I'm uh, on a personal level, I'm looking forward to what's next for me. Is it one of those things where like people are always talking to you about it, always reminding you this is your last year? Only several times a day. (laughs) Instead of hello, it's, hey, what are you doing next? You know what you should do is have a little card that has a QR code on it. And (laughs) as soon as you sense that question is coming, just flash it at them. Yeah. So what are you going to do after this? (laughs) (laughs) It's always cool in Mesa. Yes, it is. It's always cool in Mesa. Forget the degrees and just remember this, please. I say it's always cool in Mesa. It was December 1932. The people of Mesa were suffering through the Depression just like everyone else in America. John McPhee, the editor of the local newspaper, was working hard to come up with an idea that would get people to shop downtown. It finally came to him. He'd have Santa parachute into downtown and hand out candy to all the kids. Who would dare miss that? But you can tell by the title of this episode, things did not work out as planned. Luckily, no Santa actually died. And just like all stories of epic failure, this one has a silver lining. Telling this story has become an annual tradition here in Mesa. And last year, we really upped our game. It's Always Cool in Mesa, season four, episode one, turning the man who killed Santa Claus into a musical. It's always cool in Mesa. <laughs> this episode of It's Always Cool in Mesa is brought to you by two great companies, the Alstrom Farnsworth family of companies and Caliber Wealth Management, the same folks who sponsored the 2023 live production of The Man Who Killed Santa Claus. We're lucky to have these good folks in Mesa. The Alstrom Farnsworth companies include Farnsworth Construction, Farnsworth Realty and Management, Sunland Home Care, and The Summit, Assisted Living and Memory Care. These companies have been in East Mesa since 1958. Not only do they offer premier services, they do a lot of good in Mesa. And so many of the great things happening downtown have come from the commitment and dedication of Caliber Wealth Management. They are a key partner in transforming Mesa's downtown. The next time you drive down Main Street, tip your hat to the good folks at Caliber. I first saw a production of The Man Who Killed Santa Claus almost 20 years ago now, and it hit me right between the eyes. Someday, the telling of this story needs to become a Mesa tradition. And eventually, we got around to it. For the last three years, on the Friday evening after Thanksgiving, we kick off the holiday season with a theatrical retelling of the legend of Johnny McPhee, or The Man Who Killed Santa Claus, at the Mesa Art Center. It's told in the style of an old-time radio play, and audiences love it, but never so much as this last year when it was performed as a musical. I sat down with the creator and writer of the original show, Brian Nissen, the show's producer, Mark Arnett, and the musical director, Emily Susan Pack, and asked them how they did it. Here's Brian. We met several times in the summer and the run-up, and we would just keep smacking away at it. And it was the most fun I've had in a long time, just getting together and talking about what this could be. 
That's Mark, the show's producer. And we, we did it for hours. And what's interesting about it is it is hard work. It, there was a lot of laughs and a lot of joking, but there was a lot of, um, you know, 15-minute discussions on how somebody should say something or, or is that too late or is that earlier or are we going too far? Have we repeated ourselves? Those types of things. It's like a Rubik's Cube. Emily Susan Pack. You're shifting things and then you say, well, this has to be over here. And then it means, okay, well, now we have to. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, three people working on one Rubik's Cube is really fun. (laughs) Apparently, they got all their hands to work together and all the colors to match. There's not a thing about the show that was good that wasn't improved by turning it into a musical. Everything got sharper and better. And that that was all Emily. What is interesting, what happened is that the the character, through the music, suddenly the characters found dimensions that we didn't have there before. Brian and Mark already knew Emily was a talented songwriter. But as they reconstructed the show, they discovered a new dimension of her talent. This is the gift that she has, Mr. Mayor, is that, oh, we need a song here that kind of has this feeling and um, needs to move from A to B. Yeah. And needs to reference not... rutabagas at one <laughs> right. point because we're going to have rutabagas later on and we yeah. need to foreshadow. And, and in the course of a night, she will come up with the song. Yeah. If it's not right on, it's pretty dang close. Sometimes by the time spooky? I got home, I know. We, we'd have one in, the, uh-huh. in, our, in a text message, oh, I just recorded this song I just wrote. Sometimes I thought it came too easy. It's like, yeah. just send her back to the drawing board because yeah. it shouldn't be that easy. <laughs> Maybe she has a time machine or something. I have the opposite of a time. I have three kids. Oh. I have three babies. <laughs> and it's, if I have an idea right now and Bluey started, it's like, okay, I have 30 seconds. Let's put yeah. out this song. There's no later time. There's no, like, yeah. I would love the day that it's like, oh, I will work on that in my office hours. Yes. It's like, okay, mm. it's 3 a.m., time to go. Yeah. Yeah, we did get a lot of recordings that show the timestamp of about uh, 2.45 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. And Emily isn't the only mad genius in her house. In this first musical production, her husband, Kendall, played the title role of the man who killed Santa Claus. Perfect fit. You wrote some music that that was so perfect for Kendall. I mean, you can tell that you guys are simpatico because uh, the stuff that you wrote for him, I mean, he just crushed it. It was so great. He's like kind of a little hidden talent. No mm-hmm. one really knows what he does because he hasn't put himself out there. He did theater in you know high school, and then when we were in when he lived in Logan, he performed at Pickleville Playhouse. Mm. Sounds small time, I got to tell know. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kendall, he's just uh, always singing really loud and being super annoying at home, and I love it so much. <laughs> so whenever I'm at the piano, I'm like, Kendall, try this. See this. So even if it's for someone else, Kendall sung it before. So you both are great comedians. In fact, you met in in improv, right? Yes, we met doing improv. Um, we had just started dating. And uh, we were poor and in college, and he looked at the job board, and they were asking for two improvisers to come pretend to be a married couple for the psychology kids. And uh, he's like, do you want 50 bucks? And I said, yes. And he said, let's go pretend to be married. And we had been dating for like two months. And <laughs> so we went into marriage counseling, and, you know, they, <laughs> they give you your script of like, here's your name and here's your issues, you know. <laughs> And then we sit down on the little couch, and there's a two-way glass with their professors on the other side, and a therapist comes in, and then they ask us questions that we assume would be on the paper, but then they start asking me real questions about, what's your relationship with your mom? What's, you know, what's this and that? And Did how you, do you cry? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course I did. 
and Kendall too. They're asking real things, and you're going off script. And we just we're in couples therapy, and we have a very happy marriage. I have to say, preventative couples counseling doesn't sound like a bad idea. Well, I think we've set the stage, so here it is. The Man Who Killed Santa Claus, the musical, with bits of commentary along the way. Enjoy. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the reason we all came here tonight, to remember and celebrate the man who killed Santa Claus. to the ground, no jobs, no money, no hope to go around. Old Johnny McPhee kicked us when we were down, when he killed Santa Claus. Don't we have enough giving us the blues? You had to go on and kill old Santa too. Yes, you traumatized our children, the moms and daddies too, when you killed Santa Claus. What I love about that is that I heard a quality of Emily's voice that I'd never heard before, whereas she usually has this sort of like a lighter voice. But in this one, man, she was like, she was killing that song. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd that come from? It's so funny when you say things like this to me, like, why are you singing good? Why is your hair brushed? <laughs> Why do you look good today? <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm a, I yeah. think that song just needed it and I could just hear it in my head. Yeah. And if it's a character, then I feel like I can do it. The whole unholy scene Still leaving us in shock We saw our father Christmas Sunk down like a rock. I've got an elf detective here outlining him in chalk. Oh, watch out for old Johnny, cause it's murdering us. Come on, oh, Johnny McPhee. Get out of town, yeah. Pack up your little bags, we don't need you around. You were once our hero. Now you're hanging up your crown because you killed Santa Claus. This was Emily's idea and vision, which I really loved, is that at the very beginning, she tells you the end. How the people feel about Johnny McPhee. Now we're going to go back once that song ends, and we're going to tell you how we got to that point, which is a great way to tell a story. That was the mood in Mesa, Arizona, on a cold December day in 1932. Why? Well... That's what you came to hear tonight. The story of the man who killed Santa Claus. It all started a few weeks earlier. Downtown was slow, almost empty. But one man had a bounce in his step and hope in his heart. Johnny McPhee, editor of the Mesa Journal Tribune. He saw a few friends gathered across the street. Hey, Bob, it's time. You coming? Where? Dolly's Diner, remember? Johnny was talking about a meeting of Mesa's DBA, Downtown Business Association. You gotta come. We're gonna figure out how to save Christmas. Dial down the cheer, sunshine. <laughs> come on, Bob. Hey, Georgia, you're coming, right? I'd rather walk on broken glass. 
Wow. Okay. Could have just said no. Joan? Sorry. Got better things to do. Like what? I don't know. Breaking the glass for Georgia to walk on? <laughs> Three years of the Depression had taken its toll on Mesa. People felt it most at Christmas. Got no candy for the stockings. Got no Christmas cheer. Unless Santa himself comes knocking. No Christmas this year. I spent my last penny on bologna. I did too, it would appear. If there's hope left in Mesa, then show me. Oh no, Christmas this year. The socks can sink down low, low, lower and try to bring us down in despair. But the chilly nights and Christmas lights, there's magic in the air. Yes, it's hard to live in 1930. But it's harder to live without a dream. Times are hard and bleak and dirty. But with a little bit of polish, things look better than they seem. Cities across America disappearing like dust in the wind. We need to show that there's hope left in Mesa. The stakes are higher than they've ever been. If we don't fight to show we're alive, I'm afraid we might just be another ghost town. But I'm not gonna let it happen, no. Not when Johnny McPhee's around. Is that Zimmerman? Sure is. Take me with you, Captain. Oh, to fly. Every citizen in Mesa deserves a little Christmas cheer. I've got a big idea rolling in my cabeza. Let's have a... Mr. Mayor, you might remember that when we first met uh, to talk about this podcast, yeah. you one of the things that you said, it's in our first episode, you said, nothing rhymes with Mesa. That's a hard thing about writing a song. Yeah. The closest I got was Mesa and Queso. <laughs> and that appears in the in our theme song. Right. Why didn't I think of what Emily thought of? Yeah. Mesa and Cabeza. I got a th- oh, few ideas right. rolling around my Cabeza. You didn't take Spanish too with Senora uh, Hughes. Exactly right. <laughs> Stapley Jr. <laughs> but I also love the other one, which is went down straight with no chasa. Oh yeah, no chaser. Mesa, chaser, eraser. What rhymes with Mesa? Eraser. You know the thing at the end of the pencil. Now there's a million things that rhyme with yeah, Mesa. Yeah. Now you opened up a new door. Wow. Let's have a wonderful end to a horrible year. Got no Christmas cheer. is coming to town Christmas this year Meanwhile at Dolly's Diner the only members of the DBA were Dewey the Tailor Captain Zimmerman the Dust Cropper and of course Dolly herself Toast is coming right up, Dewey. Uh, 
Say, you okay, Dolly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, we don't figure out a way to get more people downtown for Christmas. Well, then I'm toast. Mm. Toastier than this piece of toast I'm toasting right now. Yeah, you're telling me. I haven't sold a single suit this whole month. Mm. Uh, but Johnny says he's working on it. Oh, sh Johnny McPhee. Uh, you got a better idea? I do, as a matter of fact. Huh. But I'm going to need help. Everyone's going to have to pitch in. Well, sure. Let's hear it. All right, here goes. We get everyone on Main Street. Hey, Dolly. Oh, for Pete's sake, Captain. You're loud as a drum. Hurt your thumb? Drum. Oh, gum. Yeah, I'll take a stick. Oh, boy. Uh, where are all your customers? Same place they've been for three years, Captain. At home, eating beans. <laughs> Here's your bill. Bill who? Uh, it's 25 cents. What makes sense? Never mind, it's on the house. Oh, thanks, doll. Oh, he heard that part all right. Okay, so we get everyone on Main Street to... To donate something. Hmm. Something nice. So we could do a big raffle. Oh, dear. What? Uh, Pearl says gambling is the devil's playground, and raffles are like uh, Lucifer's monkey bars. Lucifer's monkey bars? It's something like that. That doesn't even make sense. Personally, I love a good raffle, Dolly. I just, just don't tell Pearl, okay? Don't tell me what? Ah! Oh, hey, Pearl, we were, uh, we were just, uh... Don't tell me what! Kathy, come on, man. Kathy yeah, was hilarious. Kathy. So yeah. yeah, she was so funny. Brian's talking about Arizona theater great Kathy Dresbach. Kathy was uh, one of the uh, cast members of Wallace and Ladmo back in the... And she's... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I and, didn't realize that till just now. Yeah. And she's just as funny today as she ever was. Dolly wants to start a raffle. Can you believe it? Dewey. Is that true, Dolly? Yes. I want to do a raffle. Oh, no, Dolly. No, 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 no. Raffles are Satan's slippery slide. That's what it was. Furthermore, Raffles are not in the Constitution. And here we go. Raffles require nothing but a drunkard's wish. Capitalism takes faith and action. Mm -hmm. For instance, me and Dewey are living on a knife's edge, but we just bought a brand new mannequin. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> Built real sturdy, too. Big trunk. Strong arms. Oh, he's a handsome thing, all right. Handsome? He doesn't even have a face. The point is, we're showing our faith in America by buying that... that striking specimen. Did someone call my name? <laughs> Johnny got right to the point. Friends... Are you ready for a big idea? So long as it's not a raffle. <laughs> well, it's going to be better than your last idea. <laughs> oh, heavens, yes. <laughs> what? What was that? Oh, he bought 100 acres out in Gilbert. What? <laughs> like anyone's ever going to want to live in Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> did you do that? I did. Sometimes you never know if you have the right idea. But sometimes you do. Think about it now. Think airplanes. 
with a Christmas twist. Oh, great. Here he goes again. Can't you see? Can't you see it now? The big man in the red suit Flying high above the clouds Bringing Christmas to me and you Can't you see? Can't you see it now? Don't you call me insane You're insane Old Kris Kringle's gonna jump right out Look out! He's jumping out of the plane Wow! Like a beacon of hope He flies through the clouds So you better not cry You better not pout He's walking on the runway, walking on the wing, coming out that plane with a parachute string. Pick up your frowns, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. This isn't a bad idea. America! Oh, who's gonna jump, Johnny? You? Oh, no, no, no. Chet Chesterton. You remember Chet? He parachuted into France a couple of times. Fifteen years ago? He'll do it! Just tell him Chet! America needs you to save Christmas. Can't you see? Can't you see it now? All the children's smiling faces. Hear them scream, hear them shout as they see the hero of Christmas. What a hit! The cash will flow. Bring on Santa, bring on the dough. Doing it all for the red, white, blue. And I'll save Mesa like I promised to do. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is flying to town. I never got my stick of gum. Well, you sold those two anyhow. This could really help the diner, you know. Oh, nice try, P.T. Barnum. What do you got against me, Dolly? There had to be someone that was kind of strong in this role of Dolly. And we had one of our old-time friends in that, Mark. Yeah. They're talking about Leah. Leah Frome Hall. She can be both things. She can be really kind of sweet, and then she's got this kind of tough side to her because... Well, she has lots of voices, actually. She she can play all kinds of different characters. I wanted to say that Mark and Emily kind of simultaneously, as I remember it, came up with a key idea that pushed the show in a little bit different direction. And that was that there was just sort of a relationship between Dolly, the the woman who owns the diner, and Johnny, the protagonist of the story. Yeah. It gave that story something it had never had before, a a little bit of romance. Nothing personal, Johnny. I just know your type. Always hustling, always selling a dream. (laughs) I married someone like you, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He convinced me to open a coffee shop in Mesa. Ouch. Now he's on to the next big dream with another gal. But there's good dreams too, Dolly, and they can make a big difference. Just can't turn it off, can ya? Truth is, I need you, doll. It would go a long way with the downtowners if they knew I had your support. Ah, okay, sure. If for no other reason than to watch you go down in flames. I'll take it! So pick up your frown, Santa Claus is flying to Whose pantyhose are falling down? Johnny got right to work doing what he does best. Dear reader, I can report that Santa Claus will make an early visit to Mesa this year. Hey, did you read this? No, what? Johnny says Santa's coming to Mesa. Come downtown next Saturday and look up. 
But don't expect to see Santa's sleigh. Says he's coming by aeroplane. To Mesa? And listen, at the appointed hour... Daring Kris Kringle will walk out onto the wing with an elf-engineered parachute... And jump! Johnny's lost his marbles! Once on land, he'll pass out candy to all the children. Don't miss it. Every man, woman, and child will want to be there. You best believe it. Santa Claus is flying to town. On the morning of the big event, just as Johnny predicted, children and their parents flooded downtown. Dolly's diner was packed. You have to admit, Dolly, Johnny hit a home run. Mm, yeah. So far. Oh, come on, admit it, doll. Capitalist Santa, one. Socialist raffle, zero. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Johnny met Captain Zimmerman at the airfield. But there was no Santa, just a Santa suit in the passenger seat. Where's Chet? Roger, all set. Here we go. No, 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 no. You can't leave. Not yet. Oh, Chet? I don't know where he is. Johnny searched everywhere and finally found Chet leaning over a double whiskey at the Rippin' Snort. We had something else in the show that we never that we never expected that came out of the music. And that was a moment of uh, patriotism and sincere sort of emotion that's associated with this this guy that was supposed to fly the plane that day, but yeah. wasn't able to do so. That was a texture and something that was never there before we had the music. Now, before that, he was the comedic character. Yeah, and uh, the, and okay. he was the, you know, and that sort of comedic drunk, which we kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, it's not kind of cliche, really. And, yeah. you know, and I think it was Emily who just brought the idea that, no, he needs to, there needs to be a, a nobleness in his patriotism and, and a sadness in the things that happened to him in war and all those other things. And I'm like, if there's going to be a drunk person there that can't do this thing and let down the city, I'm sure he had a reason. You know, like, yeah, sure. this poor guy, what's going on? Oh, Chet. It's not hard to jump out of an airplane. Ain't nothing to it. You just push down the fear and jump out the rear. One more drink ought to do it. American blood runs blue. When you're commanded to do something, you do it. I'm not nervous, are you? One more drink ought to do it. I don't think you're in any shape. I did it two times in the Great War, and God will save me thrice. That's what liquid courage is for. This time on Shaking Ice. I can't let you jump, Chet. I'm not afraid to follow orders. It's my duty for the red, white, and blue. I feel like I'm back on enemy borders. Officer Chet, loyal and true. I'm hereby releasing you. You served honorably, it's true. 
Now stand down. Yes. I'm commanding you. Thank you for your service. Thanks, Johnny. Minutes later, Johnny had the unique problem of winding his way through a crowd in downtown Mesa. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Coming through. He finally burst into Pearl and Dewey's fine clothing. <gasps> Speak of the devil! I've already sold three dresses and a pair of pumps this morning. Oh, that's... Great. Hey, Look, hey, hey, Johnny, Johnny, shouldn't you be getting uh, Santa up in the air? Hmm? I, I, I should, and, and that's why I've come here. Chet is, uh, well, indisposed. Ooh. So I need a favor. Anything. I need to borrow the mannequin. <gasps> Alfonso? Emily said, you know, yeah, when they come to get him, she should say, Alfonso. And so we kept that. Just also the choice of the name, genius. It's yeah. not the same if it's Robert, Richard, whatever. But it's Alfonso. the sexiest name. I, I, I mean, why? I really don't have time to explain. I, I just need you to trust me. You named the mannequin? You can't have him, Johnny. He's very... Expensive. It. It is very expensive. I, I promise I'll be very careful with it. Him. It. Uh... No! Alfonso can only be here in the store no. with me. Well, of all the, that's it. You, Johnny, take the mannequin. Don't you touch him! Okay, okay, okay. I'll explain. It's a good parachute, Pearl. <laughs> he will touch down very lightly. No! You can't have him! Alfonso, don't listen to them. Step aside, Pearl. Can't you tell you're frightening him? No, I can't. He doesn't have a face. How can you do this? Pearl, America needs you to save Christmas. Then I regret that I have but one mannequin to give for my country. Minutes later, the mannequin was wearing a Santa suit and a parachute. This was the plan. Zimmerman would take the mannequin up into the plane. He'd circle downtown to get people real excited. Then drop the mannequin in a nearby field. And once it softly touched down, Johnny would be there to quickly remove the Santa suit, then put it on himself. Then Sheriff Roy would drive Johnny into town to meet all the people. Ho, ho, ho! Hey, kids! The day had been saved. Johnny arrived at the airfield and gave Captain Zimmerman his final instructions. Take this mannequin. Here's the cord to his parachute. When you get to the spot we discussed, make sure you pull the cord. What did you say? Listen carefully. Here's the cord to his parachute. When you get to the spot, 
Just make sure you pull the cord. What was that again? Captain Zimmerman, you're killing me. Listen, here's the cord. Are you listening? It was originally going to be um, Josephina. Mm-hmm. So instead of Captain Zimmerman went, Josephina. And I was like, who could play this female pipe? And then Mark said, I want that role. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I wanted it so bad. I heard this song and I said, finally, a song I could sing. I could sing in a musical. I've never sung in a musical before. Make sure you pull the chord. I agree. Praise the Lord. No, the chord. Oh, gosh, please pull the chord. When you get to the spot, pull the chord, then push him out. Who? The mannequin. Who pushes him out? You do. What? One thing that I do is I write these songs that are way too long. You know, I just like to kind of sit in this comedic moment. Mm-hmm. And this song, Captain Zimmerman, luckily they were like, well, that one has to stay long. It, that song is built on the joke of something is funny and it keeps going and keeps going. Yeah. And it gets past the point where it's just annoying and starts getting funny because it keeps going on. Yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes it's the comedic rule of three. Sometimes it's the comedic rule of 75. Yeah. yeah. Right. Captain Zimmerman, when you get to the spot, pull the cord, then push him out. Who's he? Santa the mannequin. Looks like a female mannequin. It's not. Captain Zimmerman, please pull the cord, then push him out. I'll push her out. This is important. Can you do this? Yep. It's not what I would do, but you know. Can you pull the cord and push him out at the spot? Uh, okay, Johnny, um, how about I just pull the cord and push him out at the spot? That's the best idea I've heard all day. On the way to the spot, Johnny was thrilled to pass throngs of people downtown. I said, you know, I don't know how we'd work it in, but I think it would be so funny if we cut to Alfonso in the sky as he's falling and he's sort of reflecting on this. And we laughed about it. Well, yeah, you can't stop the show right then and go up to Alfonso. It's, a, it's the apex. It's the climax of the show. You can't, And you couldn't. But that didn't stop her from going home that night and, and writing the song Alfonso. You know, back in the day of, days of DVDs um, so long ago, 
um, I would like watch the director's cut or they'd have, the, oh, here's a cut song, let me tell you about it. And I always thought it was so dumb and indulgent. Like, you would cut it. Don't, I don't need to hear about it. Like, <laughs> I have why? no patience for this. If you cut it, you didn't put the, who cares? Yeah. Don't tell me about it. But now I'm like, people got to know about this cut song. It's <laughs> Well, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Up in the clouds, a blue, blue sky, I start to wonder, can I die, if I fall hard enough, with everybody looking at me? girl back Yes, he does. This is the point where Mark empties a bucket full of Santa-clad mannequin parts that go sprawling across the stage. No! Cause you killed Santa Claus. Cause you killed Santa Claus. You killed Santa Claus. Cause you killed Santa But hope was never lost with Johnny McPhee. He pulled the costume off Alfonso's broken body, put it on himself, jumped into the squad car. Floor it, Roy! But when they arrived downtown, McPhee was horrified to see that the town was empty. Emptier than he had ever seen it before. Dreaming days are over. I flew too close to the sun. Why did I think I could make a difference? I'm not anyone. Well, there's one special thing about me. Please, hold your applause. 
I'm Arizona's biggest failure. I'm the man who killed Santa Claus. But before Johnny could leave town, Dolly showed up. Oh, hi, Dolly. You can't leave now. You, you'll miss all the tarring and feathering. <laughs> well, I guess you got your wish. I went down in flames. True, but I didn't enjoy it. Johnny, what happened today was truly horrible, but also wonderful. Wonderful? You didn't get to see their faces. I did. Yes, it's hard to live in 1930, but it's harder to live without a dream. Your spectacular failure, it's not the failure that it seems. I can see it. I can see it now. Your dream swept their cares away. You made adults believe in Santa today. I can see it now. We can fail and we can try. Just to show we're still alive. Just keep reaching toward the sky. Just keep reaching toward the sky. Johnny McPhee went on to live a happy life. When he died in 1960, the list of his accomplishments was pretty impressive. Mayor of Telluride, Colorado among them. But when his former paper, the Mesa Journal Tribune, ran his obituary, he was identified by his common name and title in Mesa, the man who killed Santa Claus. But in my book, John McPhee, had one of the best qualities a person can have. He loved Mesa. And this John would love to walk the streets of downtown Mesa with that John and show him everything that's happened in the last 90 years. And it's people like John McPhee that made it happen. So Johnny, if you're listening, thanks for the inspiration. Merry Christmas, Mesa. Children screamed, mothers cried, couldn't barely look them in the eye. Packed my bags and I left this town. I knew it was over when Santa came down. Put him on an airplane, sent him on his way. Didn't know what would happen that fateful day. But history is kind, it'll be kind to me. I'm the man who killed Santa, I'm Johnny McPhee. I'm the man who killed Santa Claus. Santa went down straight with no chaser No one was hurt but my ego and pride So I started a new life out in Telluride But listen in close, children gather round Here is the lesson that I have found 
To me, the story of Johnny McPhee has always been about failure. Everybody who's ever done anything great has had to fail. And they've failed pretty colossus, colossusly, is that a word? Sorry. I think it's galoshously. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but what it, you never achieve something great like that unless you dare to fail, and there will be failure. A lot of great successes that you see... You're like, man, this is great. Some genius thought of this. And then you look at what came before it, and you're like, oh, that was a train wreck. And there's so many train wrecks that you don't hear about, and you just see this amazing, miraculous thing. And it's because that person failed so hard before. He is emblematic of everything that was tried through the years to make downtown Mesa a happening place. Yeah. It's never been since the time when I moved here in the mid-70s. It has not been. Nope. But now it's happened, and it took decades to have the thing happen that he wanted to have happen. I'm, I'm fond of saying that, that we were standing on the shoulders of giants in Mesa. I mean, people yeah. think that this just happened, but no. And so, that, yeah, there is a great moral to, to this story. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much for coming, and Merry Christmas. Put it on your calendar, folks. The Friday after Thanksgiving at the Mesa Art Center, The Man Who Killed Santa Claus, the musical. Keep dreaming, keep doing. No Santa Clauses were harmed or injured in the making of this episode.